Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, that was quite the road trip we just did. Absolutely. We just took the all-electric Porsche Taycan from Los Angeles, California, and drove it back to Boulder, Colorado. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about what it's like to road trip an electric car. You know, there's that Charles Dickens novel, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It's kind of like that. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the experience. We got to learn a lot, and we'll talk about some of the challenges of road tripping a vehicle with no gasoline engine. But first, let's talk about the news. You know, it's middle of the year. The first two quarters are over, and we've got some sales numbers. And I've got some interesting numbers for you here, Tommy. Uh, So let's hit that before uh, we talk about our joint road trip. Uh, So uh, out of Ford, Ram, or Chevy, who do you think sold the most trucks in the first six months of this year? I'm going to go with General Motors. You are wrong, sir. They sold the least. They sold 291 trucks. 291? 1,000. Oh, okay, 1,000. I was going to say something must have gone terribly wrong. (laughs) Ram sold 313,000, and Ford, drumroll, 362,000 in the last six months. But is that half-ton and heavy-duty, or is that both? or F-Series. Well, what about General Motors? They combine it to 291. Okay, So so that's GMC and Chevy combined. Here's what I think is going to happen, Tommy. As you know, if you drive by a dealership, dealers are almost out of stock right now. Yep. You know, kind of like toilet paper was like a year and a half ago. Okay, so you think that what's going to happen now is that everyone's going to be hoarding cars? No, I think everybody is going to be working really hard to buy cars and trucks. The manufacturers are going to double their efforts and they're going to sell a lot of cars and trucks. And when you backfill the lot, come this time next year, it's going to be like toilet paper where no one's buying it. Well, I hope you are wrong because that would suck for the manufacturers as well as for people looking to sell their vehicles. I just think that's kind of basic economics. What happens is people down the supply chain end up hoarding things. Uh, You know, when that supply meets demand, then demand starts to go down a little bit, then supply starts to exceed demand, and then you end up in a situation where, you know, this time next year you're going to have the dealers having a hard time selling vehicles. But right now, we're at the exact opposite of that wave. We're at the bottom of that trough. Uh, And so right now, you know, if you're looking to buy a truck or a car, uh, you're going to be paying either sticker or above sticker, and that goes for used vehicles too. So I think we're at kind of the lowest point right now when it comes to not enough. Everything's wacky. It's just all wacky right now. Just wacky. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of new vehicles on the lots. There's not a lot of new computers in the stores. There's not a lot of toasters on the shelves. It's all thrown out of balance. But I'm hoping we don't overcompensate and build too many cars and computers and toasters and then have people not want to buy those items. But we're going to have to wait and see what happens. All right. Now, we were just talking about uh, the hottest vehicle, right? You went to drive it, the Bronco. Uh, I've got that number, too. But before I tell you that number, how many Bronco Sports do you think that Ford sold in the last six months? Well, we were just talking about how they were having shortages. So maybe maybe. 30,000. 60,000, dude. Well, okay, so it can't be that bad if they're selling 60,000 of them. They sold 60,000 Bronco Sports. Not the big Bronco, but the, the, the little one. How many big Broncos do you think they sold um, last month? The real Bronco. First month of sales. They just started delivering them, so I'm going to go with 200. 801. Oh, okay. But the question that Ford does not answer and are not is not broken under these numbers is, were those customer vehicles or were those... Because the customer for Ford is a dealer, were those dealer vehicles? That's a great question. I don't know how they're dividing up their current production, what percentage is going to fulfilling orders, and what percentage is going to stocking dealer lots. But I sure hope that they're fulfilling orders first because a lot of folks have been waiting for months and months and months for the Bronco. Yeah, normally you could actually kind of, you know, put your finger in the air and see which way the wind is blowing, like with. Tesla, right? They just started delivering uh, the Model S Plaid, and you can see owners putting up videos on YouTube. But Ford has kind of muddied the water because what they did is they put together an advertising slash marketing campaign called Bronco Nation, right? Where they've had 
customers, and I'm doing air quotes for you guys out there in podcast land, uh, driving them and doing videos with them and taking them to Moab. But those have all been advertising slash marketing vehicles uh, that Ford has given to, you know, like specific people to kind of make it feel like there are customers who are driving them. But I don't know if any actual real customers, you know, outside of dealers have actually gotten their Broncos yet and are driving them around. I don't know. I can't tell. I've been looking around on YouTube. There are obviously all the reviews from the program that you went on, uh, but you know, are there any actual owner reviews? Hard to tell at this point. Yes, there are. There are? Yeah, I've been following them on the forums. They're okay. actually they're hitting dealers now, um, and people are taking delivery of them. So it started as a trickle, and now it's more of a little stream of folks that have actually... 801. Yeah, actually... Uh, so are those delivery. the first uh, editions? No. That's weird. So some of them are. Some of them are the first editions, but uh, not all of them. You know, unfortunately, um, Jeep did something that a lot of people were not happy about, and that is when they started delivering the Gladiator, they actually built the first editions, the most expensive ones, like four to six months after they started delivering Gladiators to the dealers. So people who had ordered the first edition thinking they were going to get it first ended up getting them last. Yeah, it... I don't, know what the, well. I don't know what the breakdown is with the Bronco, but I have seen a couple deliveries with the first editions, but also deliveries of non-first editions, so that's how it's going. And how are pe- what are the videos saying? What are people, are they uh, over the moon? People seem to be really excited about them. Yeah, I think folks are really uh, happy with what Ford has done, at least from what I've been reading on the forum, so it's all, all good stuff. It must be very painful to Ford, where they just announced that they're actually closing the plant in July for... I want to say two weeks because couple, of supply chain issues. A couple weeks, yeah, uh, down, which is unfortunate for those who've been waiting for a long time. But hopefully they'll be able to pick right back up in uh, I, the time that they're open and start cranking them out. I mean, you could see, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But it feels like you can see this train wreck coming a mile away where Ford, you know, is promising to deliver three very hot and exciting new vehicles in the same year. So what we're talking about is a Bronco, which has been delayed and now is going to be delayed some more by at least two weeks. Then, of course, we've got the Maverick and then, of course, the Lightning. So they've got three vehicles that they have to build during a very difficult time and start delivering this year. Uh, That's a tall order for any car company, Tommy. I hope they pull it off. I I hope they pull it off, too. I want to get behind the wheel of a Maverick, a Bronco, or a Lightning uh, and, you know, I want to be uh, cheering these guys on that they, you know, get these vehicles out to customers because I, I really wonder what will happen, like I say, a year from now when all of a sudden, you know, now there is this kind of like, oh, my God, there's no vehicles on the lots. You know, it's like a toilet paper situation. And people just, even if they don't need one, they're like, oh, my God, i got to get one. Um, and you've had a friend, actually. Tell me, tell me your experience. You had a friend who wanted to buy uh, a Tacoma all of a sudden. Yep, she... Um wants to buy Tacoma with her husband and they're having a hard time uh, deciding whether to order one now or to wait. But what I was going to say about what you just said, I actually think that um, we will see an excess of potentially vehicles once, you know, supply catches up to demand. But I don't think we'll see an excess of these new hot vehicles. I don't think you're going to see Broncos hanging around lots for a long time because the orders and the excitement has been so high around that new vehicle. I don't think they're just going to be all of a sudden a surplus of them. I think they're still going to be able to maintain the demand with just how hot it's been. Well, you know, right now in the studio, we're driving the uh, new Jeep Grand Cherokee L. Yep. uh, Which is, you know, one of Jeep's most important cars. Yeah, and that's another vehicle that's, you know, been delayed. Yeah. It's supposed to have shipped to dealers a while back, and they're they're having some issues getting those out the door as well. And I just uh, drove uh, by the Jeep dealership, and I've been watching them, and their lot, and this is, of course, regional, so, you know, this is only from my point of view sitting here, you know, in Colorado. It might be different in the rest of the country, but their lot is looking very sparse. But you want to give them your big news? You you took delivery of your very first new vehicle. I did. So I I, um, finally bought my Wrangler. It came in, I ordered it in April, and now it showed up. And we'll have the full video coming soon over at TFL Car. Uh, no, TFL Off-Road. Okay, TFL Off-Road, I guess. Yeah, it's all going to be on TFL Off-Road. But uh, there's something funny there. We bought it at, from our friends at Johnson's uh, in Brighton, Auto Plaza, right? Uh, but you ordered uh, a base one and then kind of changed your mind and ordered a Willie. So there is a base vehicle with your name on it sitting for sale over at Johnson's. Yeah, so if you're looking for an entry-level Wrangler that's much more affordable than most you'll see, Check out Johnson Auto Plaza, and you can get yourself a red Wrangler with air conditioning and pretty much nothing else. And we're not saying this because anybody's paying us. It's just been really a great dealer to work with. We buy all of our new uh, FCA, well, now Solana's products from those guys. Uh, So, yeah, check them out. Uh, I think that might be one of only three Wranglers they have on the lot last time I checked. Uh, So you can get yourself one. And 
In this video, what are we calling this video you're doing? And what, what, what was the premise of the video that we're putting up this weekend? Well, I talked about... Actually, it's not this weekend. It depends. It's, yeah, it, it is this past weekend if you're listening to this. That was horribly confusing. I know. Um, it's going to be up at TFL Off-Road. Yeah. Um, I, basically Sorry. Talked, I basically talked about my buying criteria of what I was looking for, and I also compared it to the Bronco. I talked about the ways that I think that the Jeep is better than the Bronco. talked about ways that the Bronco is better than the Jeep and which one fits better for your lifestyle. So I took kind of an objective look there um, and explored the pros and cons of each and then talked about the buying process and how much I paid for the Willys Wrangler, and I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and then there's one other video that I want to promote, and that's over at TFL Truck. Uh, and that is a video that uh, I was really happy that you and Andre made. And you guys basically took our brand new Spark EV, new to us at least, uh, that we purchased in Florida. And what did you do with that? We drove it till the battery died, so another electric car, albeit a little tiny one. And we wanted to see how far it'll go in a single charge, but then we also wanted to see could the F-150, Andre's power boost with the hybrid system, actually charge the car back up. So we loaded it up on the trailer, and then we tried to drive and charge at the same time, and the results are pretty cool. Can I, call, can I, can I coin a term for that? Yes. Uh, charge and drive. Yeah, Andre's recovery service, I think, is a better, <laughs> better term for it. So I'm curious to see, like, how far you got, how much power you got back into it. It's cool. You, you know, I was watching that Spark is actually remarkably uh, electrically efficient, right? The number that you can judge to see how um, efficient a vehicle is. Well, why don't you explain it? Because I'm going to mumble it all up, and it's going to be important when we talk about the Taycan. Yeah, so you basically, the industry standard is you measure an electric car's efficiency like you measure a gasoline car's efficiency. So a gasoline car is miles per gallon, an electric car is miles per kilowatt hour, which is kind of like the electric version of a gallon. So typically a good result is like four miles per kilowatt hour is pretty typical in a lot of EVs, but I was averaging closer to 4.8 or 5 in the little Chevy, which is pretty good for an older electric car that's not really known for its uh, crazy efficiency. Yeah, in the Porsche that we road trip, we were averaging like two. Not quite that low. It was more like three, depending on the stretch of the road trip. But then keep in mind, this is a vehicle with very wide performance tires. And um, it's very interesting when you compare like the effects of drag on a gasoline versus an electric car. Electric cars are so efficient in their drivetrain that stuff like tire size really, really matters relative to what it would be in a gasoline car. So I want to thank my friend uh, Calvin over at Porsche. He called me up and he said, hey, do you want to drive a Porsche from L.A. to, um, well, Colorado Springs, or in this case, for us, Boulder, for the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, which happened? And I was like, do I want to? You know, do cats kill birds and bring them to your house and show them off? Hell yeah, I want to. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, when we got that invitation, Tommy and I jumped on a plane uh, and flew to L.A. and um, picked up uh, a Porsche. And this is weird because it's spelled Taycan, but it's pronounced Taycan. It's a German thing. Like if you're old like me, you'll know it from Wrath of Khan. But it's Taycan. We picked up a Taycan uh, at LAX, uh, and then the adventure began. And we'll just talk. We won't, you know, I don't want to go into all the nitty-gritty details. Uh, but there were two really interesting things that happened to us on this trip. Uh, and like I said, this is really the golden age. Even though when, you, when you're done with this podcast, if you make it all the way through, you'll probably be like, what is Roman talking about, golden age of electric cars? But let me explain at the end of the video, um, and let me explain at the end of this podcast. Uh, but anyway, so I got up at 5, and that's important later because we were driving all day and I got grumpy, but got up at 5, flew to L.A., uh, picked up the car uh, at the parking lot um, at LAX, Took that obligatory picture by the, if you're from L.A. or if you've flown into L.A., you'll know this, by the In-N-Out Burger where the Delta flights come in over the airplanes uh, and headed out. The car was a 4, or is a 4S. It starts at 103,000, Tommy. Ours was 145, all in. Uh, and it had, the most important thing, the performance battery pack, which meant that it had a 94-kilowatt-hour battery uh, with about 200 miles of range when we picked it up in L.A. So the... 2024 SV driving is rated at like 203 miles of range and uh, like you said 93 kilowatt hour battery and four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive it's got a dual motor setup so much like the Tesla's there's a motor in the front and a motor in the back the Taycan is an interesting car it's a performance sedan built to compete with rivals like the Tesla Model S and now you've got the Audi e-tron which is its little sibling the e-tron GT we also have the Lucid Air so it's a performance very premium all-electric car. 
The one area where the Porsche on paper struggles compared to its competitions from Tesla is the range. So like a Model S is rated for over 400 miles. If you look at the EP number, the, te the uh, Porsche was only about 200. But what we found out is that from our experience, typically the Tesla numbers are a little overinflated, and I think the Porsche numbers are definitely underinflated because even driving uphill at 70, 75 miles an hour, that, that 200 miles of range is a real world 200 miles. Yeah, now before we go into our misadventures, let's talk about the different uh, Taycans that there are, right? Like you said, the one that we had was the 4S, uh, it's four wheel drive or all-wheel drive in this case, mm -hmm. uh, but there is a new one that's over your shoulder in that kind of kind of almost like gold, um, pink gold color. What does Porsche call it? I don't remember what the exact name is, but this is the um, entry-level Taycan over my shoulder. So there's a rear-wheel drive one, uh, that the 0 to 16 about 5 seconds. Then there's a 4S, which is three mid-3s, like 3.8. Then there's the Turbo, and then there's the Turbo S. And <laughs> neither of those have turbos, of course, because they're electric, but those are the really high-performance vehicles. Yeah, and then there's a new one that, that uh, just got introduced, which is, I think, the one I would get if I were to get one, and that's the Cross Turismo which is the station wagon. It's kind of like a lifted, so to speak, uh, wagon version of the Taycan. Uh, it's got the cladding, it's got more room in the back, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it's way cool, and hopefully we'll get our hands on one to test as well. But those are really the four different vehicles in that lineup. Uh, like I said, they started about 80, ours started at 103, as tested 145, and then if you get into the Turbo and the Turbo S, you're getting close to $200,000. Exactly, so when we, decided to do the road trip it's important to note that we cannot charge a non-tesla on tesla superchargers so i think tesla superchargers are pretty well known now but they're a proprietary charging network for the model s the model 3 the model y but only tesla vehicles yeah yeah uh, and we have to use basically well we didn't know this at the time but when you buy a tycon from porsche they will give you three years of free charging but not on the Tesla network. So no. you use a third-party network, and there's a few different providers. There's EVgo, there's ChargePoint, um, there's a bunch of them, but probably the biggest one that you have probably seen and at, was a result of actually the Volkswagen Dieselgate settlement was Electrify America. And Electrify America has a huge network of, they're called DC fast chargers they've been building up across the country. So we pick up the car, and I'm already grumpy because I can't stop for an In-N-Out burger because it's too early in the morning. <laughs> So we head out toward Barstow, uh, which is um, our first charging stop. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Tommy, uh, because uh, before we get into what happened in Barstow, uh, let's talk about kind of how Tesla works. And, and I'm sorry if you guys aren't Tesla fans, but Tesla has set the bar pretty high. And so you have to kind of talk about Teslas if you want to get context for this. Now, keep in mind, we've owned actually and reviewed we buy cars for a year and then we do long-term reviews. We've owned a Model 3, a Model X, and now we have a Model Y. So we're very familiar with the Tesla uh, charging network. And the way the Tesla works is uh, if you do a road trip, right, you do not want to charge a battery for its longevity or for your sanity from like 80 to 100% uh, because it takes a long time. There's a charging curve. And so you really want to kind of keep that battery charged somewhere between like 20 and 80%. And Tesla since people have done that drive from LA to Denver a lot, they know exactly how much power the car is using. And so they make it as convenient as possible to stop at the different charging stations and basically just top up the battery. So you'll never stop for like an hour because you'll get maybe to 40% and then you'll stop and supercharge and get the car up to maybe 70% and go another hour or two hours and then do the same thing. And it makes charging a little bit less painful because you're not actually filling the battery up or using that last 20%. So when we got in the car, Porsche said we should drive, I think it was a past Barstow, the Porsche system, and, and then we need to charge up like 95% of the battery. And I'm like, dude, that's gonna take forever. Well, I will say that I think Porsche has done a good job of understanding the uh, consumption rates and understanding the type of terrain you're driving over. So from that standpoint, it's pretty spot on. Um, and I think at one point, there were so few Electrify America stations on that route that you'd have to stop at every one and at least charge for a little bit. But now there's so many going from LA to Colorado that it's kind of like a gas station. You really don't have to stop at every single one now because they're, they're really popping up all over. But as you mentioned, the, the Porsche route planner had consistently 
suggested that we go down to like seven or ten percent, which is fine. That's all good. But then it recommended charging, like you said, all the way up to like ninety-five percent, which typically takes quite a long time. Whereas I'd rather go to like twenty percent and then go to sixty percent charge. So, so use that forty percent of the battery just so you're not sitting and waiting at a charger for a long time. Yeah. Plus, you, you have no reserve then, right? It makes it a little bit more like if you're down to six percent, if you have a bad charger or if there's somebody in front of you and you can't get to it you're stuck there you ain't going anywhere else so there's no real reserve right it's not like a gas station every 10 20 30 40 miles you're you're kind of at that charger maybe every 100 miles something like that maybe 150 miles depending on where you're at anyway so yeah it, 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 i didn't want to do that so then we're like hey let's use better route planner which is another it's an app uh, that you can use uh, and basically it does the same thing so it tells you tell it what car you're driving and then it tells you where to stop and it does it plans out the trip in the most efficient way so you spend the least amount of time charging so uh, we had that going as well trying to figure out the problem with better route planner is it doesn't know how much energy you're using right it's I mean the issue quite honestly is that they were way too um, pessimistic on how much range the Porsche would be using on this trip. Which is good. Which is what you Which want. is good. Yeah, it's yeah. better to be pessimistic than optimistic. But the car proved to be so far exceeding its EPA estimated figures that the better route plan was just way off. So we were kind of just winging it. And it really was our first non-Tesla road trip. So we uh, definitely weren't optimizing for efficiency like we could have been. But it was a great learning opportunity. Now, the Taycan is a really cool machine. It's got, I want to say, four screens. And there's one in front of the driver as well. Uh, and so we had navigation going, we had our phones going, uh, and immediately I had a floor it because that's what's fun about uh, electric cars. And I think the 4S is 0 to 60 in like three and a half seconds, and it's quick. You know, it slams you in the back. Uh, the other great thing is it's got a top end of 155 electronically limited. It's just a really good car compared to like a Model S, which it directly competes with. There's definitely a sense that Porsche builds a better car. I'm not sure Porsche builds a better electric car. I feel like Tesla's probably maybe one generation ahead in terms of their batteries and in terms of their um, software. But if you want a car that drives like a Porsche, buy a Porsche. It's rock solid. Uh, you get in the thing, and it feels like it's made of one bit chunk of granite. Uh, everything is very high quality. The materials feel expensive because they are expensive. Uh, just a lot of thoughtful touches inside and out. I love that kind of chocolate leather we had. Um, you know, it, the steering's a little bit numb, but it, you know, nothing. I mean, it's dead flat uh, when you take a turn. Uh, it's got air suspension, so you can lower it and raise it. It's got a cool uh, spoiler, which unfortunately you can't see. I love seeing when the spoiler comes up, but you can't see it in the rear mirror, but it has one. Um, you know, ours had the arrow wheels, which was an option. Um, it was this magnificent, like deep, dark ocean blue with this interesting, you know, brown interior. I uh, love the color combination. Just one hell of a beautiful car. Uh, and people look at you because it looks, you know, if, if the Jetsons, you know, that old cartoon, we're having flying cars. This looks like one of the Jetsons cars. So it definitely looks modern. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a very comfortable, very um, kind of long-legged car for this road trip. A perfect road trip companion. That's the good news. Now we get to the fun news, which uh, was interesting. So we pull into Barstow and um, there's an Electrify America app that we're using. And Electrify America app says pull into the Walmart. And a lot of the Electrify America stations are at Walmart. They partnered with them, right? These were the stations that were built out because of Dieselgate, because of Volkswagen. They, I think they put $19 billion into a fund to actually build these out. And, of course, keep in mind that Volkswagen does own Porsche or Porsche owns Volkswagen. I don't know. It's one. It's, a, it's all Volkswagen group. Uh, anyway, we pull in, and there I see two charging stations, and there's an old Volvo parked in one. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. So we got iced, right? And then we pull in the other one, and the first thing you see on the screen is plug the car in. That's what it says. It says plug the car in. So what happened after that? Well, um, we uh, it was it was kind of a pickle. So um, we had some issues at that location. Well, actually, you plugged the car in. Actually, we had a lot of issues. Yeah, <laughs> we plugged, you plugged the, ca the car in. I think part of our difficulty and and this is going to be a long to what conversation. Just uh, honestly, there were so many charging stops and. It was kind of a debacle, this first one. I tuned a lot of it out. All right, so, so I'll, I'll, I remember exactly what happened. So we plug in, uh, and the Porsche has this really cool thing. Well, where they, hold up. They've got, they've, they've, it's got this really cool feature where if you want, as an, as an added, of course, cost, you can have a charging port on either side. So this one has a charging port both on the passenger and driver side. That might be standard. It uh, might be standard. Okay, anyway, it's, it's, it's cool. It's thoughtful. It's smart. 
but there's one part that isn't smart. So you pull up, and I'm like, I'm like, good thing it's got a charging port on either side because this cable isn't long enough to go to the passenger side. So I go to plug it in on the driver's side, and guess what? It doesn't have a DC fast charger. So one side is DC fast charging, and one side is level two. Right. So you can't plug it in. Right. The two big DC plugs aren't there. So the first thing Tommy has to do is then you know pull out and back up into the space in kind of a weird way so that we can actually park into the passenger plug into the passenger side which has a DC fast charger. And it didn't reach if you recall the cable did not reach because the way Electrify America works it's like if you were to go to a gas pump and have two hoses for one gas pump because EVs have their charging points all over some are on the left some are on the right what Electrify America has done is they've given you two two options um, one for the right side of the car, one for the left side. And if you recall, that first station we pulled up to, the left side one was out of order. Or the right side one was out of order. One of the two. So we had to do this weird finagling. We we're trying to figure out how to go back and forth. And then I backed in, and the one that was in order wouldn't reach. And I tried to pull in, and the one that was in order still wouldn't reach. So I was looking at pulling around the back of it and going into a motorcycle parking. But luckily, I was looking at the app, and Electrify America said at this location there were something like eight chargers. So we were struggling around with this one next to this old Volvo that had blocked the other one. That iced us out. Where, on the other side of the parking lot, after a little bit of poking around, um, you know, walking around, we found a whole bank of them, like seven of them. Yeah, lo and behold, there's a whole another set of chargers. At the back of the and lot. And there's a Porsche Taycan Turbo S charging with this dude who I think is famous. I don't know. I mean, he, he certainly looked like he, he was famous. He just had interesting goggles. And he was cool. Trendy he, boots. He was very helpful. So, so I'm like, hey, he's charging, so we can definitely charge. So we pull to that charger, and you know, the the, the station says plug in. So we plug in, and then uh, it says cannot initiate the handshake. Basically, unlike pouring gas into a vehicle, there has to be kind of an electronic handshake that happens. So the station has to recognize the car, the car has to recognize the station, and they have to talk to each other. And if that handshake doesn't happen, and there's a lot of reasons that may not happen. It could be something like software related. It could be the fact that, you know, the, the plug isn't plugged in the right way or isn't plugged in all the way or isn't, you know, connecting. There's just a lot of reasons it can go wrong. And the car and the charger weren't talking to each other. So I think that is not what was happening in retrospect because the real issues were with the Electrify America app talking to our location. Now, at this stop, it said that we had phone connectivity. So it said we had LTE in three bars. Right. Um, but when I actually went, we plugged the car in, and then when I went on the app to start the charge, that's when I started having issues um, because I couldn't get the machines to process my payment. Um, and in fact, I think if I look at my phone, it's still stuck from over a week ago. It's just still processing payments. Yeah, let me look at my app. It's still like it's bricked and I've shut my phone off a bunch and I've forced to close the app and like it's bricked. It's still stuck at this. Yeah, it is processing payments. Um, and so, th so that was really, really frustrating. And then eventually, if you leave the car plugged in for long enough, the, the charger says, all right, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to time out. I need you to replug yeah, so, and plug so, it back so, in. So we tried a bunch of chargers. It kept so, timing out. Yeah, so then eventually we went to a, a different charger. We tried using two credit cards. Couldn't use a credit card because the, the credit reader, card wasn't, reader wasn't working. We tried using Apple Pay on two different cards. that wouldn't accept Apple Pay. So ultimately, we decided we need to use the app. My app is bricked at this point, stuck and, across and the payment. I look across... The pavement, and I noticed like a like a like an oasis in the Walmart desert, a Verizon store, which is what I use. Because we tried downloading the app on your phone, I and once again, it. like because of the lack of cell service, I could download. I'm like, hey, if I remember right, Verizon stores have Wi-Fi, so you know, I, I trudge up this big hill to the Verizon store, and they're like, hey, can I sell you a phone? I'm like, no, can I use your Wi-Fi? And I'm like, I'm a customer, and they're like, sure. Meanwhile, meanwhile, um, you call Electrify America. Yeah, they've got, they do have very good tech support. So I'm on the phone with this guy, and he was so helpful. He was such a nice guy, trying to figure out the app. He actually gave us a great tip. When you pull up to one of these stations, the big instructions are plug in first, like number one, plug in first. But he said, ah, actually don't do that. Um, don't plug in first. What you're better off doing is initiating the charge on your phone, having the station come to life and then plugging in. Um, and he said it's kind of a back-end thing, but that tends to work better. So eventually, you were able to get the app. You had to make your own account because my account is stuck. Um, you made an account. You yeah. plugged in your credit card information. I'm going to do the little tick, 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 It was tick. a lot of time. We were there for like 40 minutes trying to initiate the first charge. 
Um, and then finally, we got the thing to accept the payment and start flowing current into the Porsche. Yeah, the trick was basically ignore what says on the screen, plug the car in first, then... Nope. Yes. No, start oh, the app oh, first. Start the app first, then plug the car in. Yes. And then, then, because you have to tell the app what station you're at. So tell this app what station you're at. So we get the, we get, we get the electricity flowing. I knew you would get it because the other guy was getting his charge. So, I mean, if he can charge his Porsche, why can't we charge ours, right? So I wasn't nervous. I was just, you know. And, and, and then the, here's the other issue, right? Uh, so Electrify America has basically two stations. There's a 150-kilowatt station, and then there's a big 350-kilowatt. Now imagine like you're filling up your gas car, and there are different size hoses you can use, right? You can use a small little hose, which has a little hole, or you can use a big one. And obviously, if you use a big one, the big pump, right, you get a lot more fluid flowing in. And so 350-kilowatt charging is much quicker than 150-kilowatt. Oh, the holdup. It's worth noting, you can't actually buy a car on the market right now that'll accept 350. No, 350 is so insanely fast. So the Porsche is arguably the quickest charging car on the market. Uh, if you look at the paper, it can accept a peak of 270. But that peak is dependent on the state of charge in the battery, the temperature of the battery, the, the station can... I mean, it, it's got to it's gotta have all these, these right things to go correct. So I'm going to call the uh, charging cable the dongle that comes out of the Electrify America station. In fact, it's so much power that that dongle wire is... Uh, liquid cooled yeah yeah it is <laughs> because it would it would burn your hands off that's how much power is going into the vehicle when it's when it's going at 350 which so, no car can accept right now right right so we plugged it in and i think we we're at 30 percent state of charge or something and on that first station i think we were pulling 100 150 kilowatts which, which is by the way the most we pulled during our entire trip yes unfortunately we had really really poor luck uh, with charging, and we were typically averaging between 60 and 80 kilowatts in all of our stops, which is really pretty slow for a Porsche. Um, and that's not pulling in at 90% state of charge. In some cases, that was like 20% or 18% state of charge, and we we're still only pulling 80 kilowatts. You hear that sound? What? That's the sound of Electrify America calling us. Yeah, I know. It was a, it was a really <laughs> big problem. What we did figure out, though, eventually on the second stop when we got into cell service and we could actually use our phone, was that Porsche has this connected app. Yeah, Calvin calls me up and says, hey, did you use the app and the free charging, we're dummy? Like, no, we're like, no, first no. of all, we can't use any of our apps because for some reason this Barstow <laughs> station is in the dead zone. Um, but once we figured out the Porsche app, initiating the charge is so much easier. So it's kind of like you know a Tesla system where you open up the application, you see all the fast chargers, and you select one. You can actually start charging, start the station on the app, and then plug the car in. And if you use the app, you get three free years of charging on Electrify America, which is pretty cool. So it was free charging from there on out once we started using the app, Don't. but we still had uh, a lot of issues with the speed of the charges. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, that number, that you know, 350 kilowatt number, basically determines the size of your, of your hose that, you know, that you're pouring liquid, if I continue with that analogy, into your vehicle. Unfortunately, ours was at its biggest, you know, medium size compared to what the right was. and the other issue is and well the question is was that the car saying i can only accept this or, or was, was that, that the station saying yeah, this is all i've got right now because during the handshake the two talk to each other in order to preserve battery life the car will say i can only take this much juice at this moment because i don't want to fry my batteries or the station will say i can only provide you this much electricity because of whatever reason so the, the problem there is you don't know if it's the car limiting that number or if it's the station limiting that number which is a good way for both companies to kind of point fingers at each other yeah right so um anyways what the drive ended up being and it wasn't it wasn't terribly unpleasant but we would drive for an hour and a half and then we'd stop and charge for probably 20 minutes Sometimes we'd drive two hours and stop for 25, 30 minutes. And we were kind of just taking our time. We weren't, you know, trying to set a speed record. We were always had a pretty nice buffer in the battery. So in case we had a problem with the charger, we could make it potentially to the next one or back to one previous. Uh, but we, we did a, a pretty good job of timing our breaks and our stops with lunch stops and snack breaks. And It wasn't unpleasant. No, it was fine. Uh, um, I mean, you know, for me, let's, uh, we were talking about this. So, like, if you're cross-country driving... Uh, let's say your stress level in a gas-powered car is, you know, whatever that is. Let's say one is nothing and 10 is, like, 
off the roof. You're like sitting in the plane hoping it doesn't crash, right? So in a regular car, my stress level when I'm cross-country road tripping is probably like a one, right? You're kind of you're kind of watching the gas and you're like, oh, good God, I better stop and make sure, you know, you want to have enough, you don't want to run out, but there's gas stations everywhere. Uh, and so you're kind of, with, with this road trip, my, my, we had, you know, we had Electrify, uh, we, we had Google Maps going, we had the Porsche system going, we had Better Route Planner going. Uh, and uh, my stress level was probably at about a five. And maybe that's not fair to the car, but that's exactly where it was. Uh, I, as the trip went on, I pretty much lost all stress. Even in Utah, where we had the bigger stretches without charging, the car is actually pretty darn spot on with its range prediction. So if it says you're going to get to a charger at 20%, you're probably going to get there with 21 or 22, um, at actually, the minimum 19. It's actually pretty astounding. Yeah, it's really, really spot on. Even if you're doing 80, um, 85 in some cases, it's it's very, very good, which is nice. Let's, so let's, let's face it, our Tesla tends to be optimistic. Yeah, it's usually pretty darn optimistic. So I, I really, I, it was a lot of planning and it was, I think for the average consumer, you know, having PlugShare open so you know where the chargers are and the Porsche app and, um, you know, better route planner to, to cross-reference and understanding what the car is trying to say versus maybe what's a little bit quicker than what the car is trying to say. Like, it's a lot of a lot of work. And certainly we weren't doing it to set a speed record because some cases we plug in at, like, 40% just to be extra safe because there was a big, big gap coming in and we go 40 to 60% state of charge or whatever just to, you know, be a little bit... And a little part, bit safe. And part of that is because, you know, with the Tesla system, I, I, once again, I don't want to just keep talking Tesla, but they were the first to do this, so they are the benchmark. You know, they you can kind of trust the system because it knows, because other people, hundreds of or thousands of other people have done this before you. With this, you're kind of pioneering new... I, I trust the system. I just don't like how it makes you go from 10 to 90%. Like, I think that's just a long time to spend waiting. Of course, it's a longer drive, too, long, longer time spent driving, but... So, so now, you know, we, we've dr- driven probably almost 400 miles, maybe 450 miles, 500 miles, halfway through. We got through Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also a little daunting because in Vegas we stopped. The nice part was in Vegas, the, the stop was at this uh, massive shopping center. Right? Yeah, it was cool. It was this giant mall. They actually have a bunch of these fast stations in uh, Vegas. That was very disappointing, though, because we stopped there. They have a bunch of them, and we're only getting 60 kilowatts. Right. It was pretty consistently. Or 68 kilowatts. Yeah. yeah. yeah we were like this. And there's this, like, giant power station across the street. I know. Like, Good, yeah. we're going to... And we're the only ones charging or pulling, like, 70. Yeah. 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 And actually, we were the only ones charging at every single stop, except for the first one when we saw the Taycan. And then the night, that first night, we stopped in Cedar City, Okay, so let's talk, let's talk about that because this, this is where I'm, I think the golden age of, this is where I'm getting at with the golden age of electric cars. So we get about 450 miles to this little town called Cedar City, and we pick a hotel that on purpose has an electric car charger because we need the charge overnight so we can keep going the next morning, obviously. Well, we didn't need to because yeah. there was a DC fast charger at that place, but you wanted to because you didn't have to wake up and then go yeah. to a place of top it up in the morning yeah because yeah I, I, you yeah. just wanted to hit the road yeah exactly as one would right uh, and so we get there and I, uh, tommy i could not write this in a million years i could not write the script because it's it's it, it would not even occur to me so we get there and there's two chargers and keep in mind now there's a tesla charger which is its own proprietary system and only teslas can use tesla superchargers basically that handshake won't happen even though you can get an adapter well hold for, up for a destination charger we should clarify yeah the hotel was not a fast charger Charger. No. The hotel was a slow charger, so um, Level what, two, basically. what the hotel had decided to do was install one slow charger specifically for Teslas. Level and, two, let's be. Yep, and one slow charger specifically for non-Teslas. I, and uh, I don't like slow charger because there's even a slower charger. These weren't like wall chargers. Well, it's, it's like a dryer plug. It's yeah, 240 volts. It wasn't. It's not the kind you plug in your you know your cell phone into. It's the kind you plug it's, in your dryer. It's the difference between hours and tens of hours. Uh, let's say that the Porsche Taycan was empty. If you plugged it into the wall, it would probably take three days. If you plug it into a level two, it'll take all night to charge, basically, yeah. give or take. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so so they had two. There's like one that's Tesla and it says Tesla and one that's CCS, which is the... Well, J1772. Right, which is the, the, the standard we're using. Right. And, and I was worried because I'm like, you know, it's a full hotel. People are traveling now. The COVID's over. And I'm like wondering if somebody's going to ice us out. But no, I pull in. There's a Tesla there. I'm like, wahoo, there's a space. We can park. We can actually get the cable in. I go out. I'm, at this point, I had gotten up at 5. We had been driving, trying to figure all this stuff out. I'm pretty grumpy. And I get to the two chargers. And lo and behold, miraculously and unbelievably, the Tesla charger 
uh, was empty and the Tesla driver, and it's a she because I met her, she had used the charger for our car, right, to plug into her Tesla. So she had an adapter. When you buy a Tesla, you get an adapter where you can take, you know, uh, what's, it, what's the level? J1772. J charger, and you can put an adapter on it and plug it into your car. So un unfathomably, instead of taking the working charger, because it was working, because we saw the light on and we actually figured it out, for the Tesla, she had plugged it, our charger, and I, you can get an adapter to go the other way around, but they're expensive and they're hard to find and people don't have them. So we didn't have an adapter, so there's nothing we could do. Well, that's not true, Tommy. We could have, because what happens is when you lock the car, it locks the charger in place, but if you're using an adapter, it'll lock, it'll lock the adapter in place. So I could have unplugged her, or you could have unplugged her and plugged it into our car, but I'm like, now what is the etiquette? She obviously needs power to get going the next day. We need power. And I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. Do I unplug her and leave her a note? Do I try to go to the hotel desk and figure out who this person is and say, hey, why are you using you know, my charger instead of your charger? Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm starting to get a little grumpy and I'm mad. So, but keep in mind too, Dad, there, the, maybe the reason she was using the J1772 is because there was another Tesla before we had showed up. But that it was wasn't using the reason. Why we don't think that was a reason? No, no, because I because I, I know that because so so what I what do I decide to do? So we come up with this plan because I think we don't know what the etiquette is. Tommy's like, you know what? I'll set my alarm and I get up at like three in the morning. I'll unplug her and yep. I'll plug it into our car, and that way she'll get charged and we'll get charged. And I was like, dude, that sucks, man. She's using the wrong charger, you know, not the one that says Tesla with her driving a Tesla, but the other one. Uh, making us basically unchargeable. That is not right. You don't. You shouldn't be up at three in the morning. And when I was saying that, all of a sudden, like the Tesla unlocks. I'm like, what the heck? And this woman walked by. She was on her phone, and I'm like, hey, is this your car? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, can you not use our charger? Can you use a Tesla charger? And she looked at me like I was, you know, crazy. I'm like, yeah, you're using you know, our charger instead of the one that says Tesla right on the box with the green light that's lit up that says it's working. And she's like, oh, okay. Not even like, I'm sorry, or hey, I didn't know. Just like, okay. And so she goes to unplug hers and she didn't even know how to unplug it. I had to like walk her through her app to show her how to unlock her car, unlock the charge point, unplug our charger, you know, pull out her adapter and then plug her charger in. So I do that for her. It, Tessa starts charging. She walks away, not like, hey, I'm sorry or anything. That was it. Well, I, th I think this is a good example then. I mean, if, if it wasn't because someone had showed up, I just think it's a good example of lack of um, understanding of the, the different types and maybe, you know, what the repercussions can be for other people. Because I think if you aren't one of the folks listening to this podcast, it can be pretty darn confusing. Right, you've got two boxes. One of them is all the way in the back, and it's dusty. Uh, another one They're in next the front. To each other. Yeah, but the the, the non-Tesla one was pretty sad and dusty looking. And, and the, the Tesla, Tesla one, one said was, Tesla on it. I I know, but it's not that obvious if you've never owned an electric car. And this is the, her the, first time driving an EV. We don't know. She she may have owned the original Roadster, as far as I can tell. She didn't say a word to if me. She doesn't know how to unlock the the charge port. I doubt that she's really all that big of an enthusiast. But you, but you can tell like which one fits in where. Right? I mean, she had actually physically take the wrong charger, go dig up her her adapter, right? Attach well, the adapter to the wrong charger, ignore the Tesla one that says Tesla that's sitting there blinking green, you know, I'm working, I'm working, and then plug it into her car and walk away, not caring what I, happens I if somebody don't think she in a Porsche shows up. She didn't purposely spite other EV drivers. I did not get Well she didn't she didn't purposely do it, but she certainly didn't apologize when I pointed out the glaring mistake. I, she I made. agree. Yeah, she she should probably apologized, I agree. But you know, if it would have been me, I'm just saying I would have been like, hey, you know, I'm new I just bought the car, or sorry, or I don't. First of all, the car this is, wasn't this is new. awkward. I would have been like, oh my god, this is awkward. I don't think the car was that new um, because it wasn't on temp tags or anything. It was a Model Y. Yeah, it looked, it looked like it had some miles on it, but um, I mean, I I understand it, it could have been an honest mistake, um, regardless right, of whether or not she apologized. It very well could have been just like a lack of understanding on how it works. But it, once again, once somebody explains it to you and the person says, you know, I can't charge my car and the, and, the, and the ramifications of that are pretty obvious because she's also driving an electric car. So she knows what happens when she can't charge her car. I would have been like, if it would have been me, I'd be like, oh, my God, I am so embarrassed. Maybe she also thought, too, this is another possibility. She saw the Tesla box and she assumed it was a, 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 a supercharger and didn't want to pay for it. You know, because maybe, maybe she thought that yes, true. We'll if, never know. We'll if, never know. If you 
are supercharging a Tesla, you have to pay for it. If you're destination charging a Tesla, but I tell don't me the supercharger is these big white boxes yeah, with Tesla over it, way... and the destination chargers are these like two foot long little boxes with the cable. You're coming. putting people still put diesel in their gasoline cars on a regular basis, and that's been around for the last sixty years. It, it's it's easy to get confused about the difference. I'm, I think that it's a, a fair point that maybe she thought it was a supercharger and then she, it would charge her for it. Anyway, all this stuff. This is what I'm saying. We are living in the golden age of electric cars. This was not does not sound like the golden age, Dad. Well, if uh, I'm listening me, to the podcast, I will, I will tell you exactly why I say that. We'll get to that in a second. So if we figure it out. We go to bed. We wake up the next morning, and I'm like, you know what? It's been a rough day. Let's start a new page. Let's you know we're gonna we're gonna get 350. Uh, kilowatts on these chargers, which is what they're stated. We're going to just rock the day. You're We're not because the car is at 270. I know. I'm just being... I'm just being... Yeah, you're being honest, incorrect on honest, your number. Okay, honest the way I felt. You know, turn the page, forget about the... See? A lack of consumer t- information. The Tesla, I, you see the 350 dude, I know and it, you I know the car... At 270. Mm-hmm. I know that. Uh-huh. Anyway, so uh, I'm like, you know, new day, great... Get in the car, we start driving, loving the Porsche, love the smell of the thing, you know, love the driving dynamics, really enjoying it. It's dead solid. And like, and the cool thing about Utah is you can actually do 80 miles an hour legally, right? The Porsche is like a shark among minnows. This thing is like, you know, carving through the water. I'm loving life. And uh, we get to our first charging station, which for the first time ever is actually um, a gas station, right? Uh-huh. It was the Loves. Yeah, that was a good it was stop. A brand, be- loves are great. Beautiful Loves, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and then basically they have their <laughs> the gas station, and they had how many two or four? Maybe four, four, four so. Electrify America uh, stations. And I'm like, wonderful! Look at that. No one's there. I can go in loves. So I can get myself some iced tea, which I love. This is going to be a great experience. And then the sprinkler starts. Yeah, we did. We did have to dodge the sprinkler. It was it was pretty comedic trying to initiate the charger with a sprinkler, and now trying to dodge the sprinkler that was spraying the car. You're, like holding, a you're holding a cable cable of three hundred, you know, like lightning, <laughs> and there's a sprinkler that's, I, I that's like oh. right right on the car. Right but on the it, car. That was actually a pretty good stop. We hit a hundred kilowatts, which was pretty good for our trip. It was once again we were in there for five ten minutes. That's all we needed to get us to our uh, Green River. I think it was. And that was a pretty good stop. I'd still, once again, how is this possibly the golden age of electric and, cars? And nobody got electrocuted trying to... So what? I, I'm still confused by what you mean by that. Because you keep making points on why it's not the golden age. But why is it all the right, golden here's age? Here's why it's the golden age, right? We, we eventually got back, right? Uh, like I say, we, we it was fine. It took a little bit longer. It was a little bit more stressful. The car was wonderful. Charging, we figured it out, right? We figured out all the uh, little tricks right, that you need to figure out so you can charge efficiently. But what, what's going to happen, Tommy? And this is obvious. Electric, you know, a lot of people still think that somehow electric cars are a fad or that they won't catch on. It's, it's happening. Electric, that train has left the station and left a long time ago. Uh, electric car sales are increasing. And for the most part, if people charge, you know, we've been, like I said, we've had a Tesla now for, what, two years. And then we charge it at night at home. It doesn't matter, right? You've got plenty of charge. It's fine. It, there's no issues. It actually feels great because you never go to a gas station. You never use a supercharger. Um, you know, 90% or 95% of the time, it's no problem. Uh, but when people in urban cities where it's much harder to get a charger in your garage because you don't have a garage or there are enough in your building, we're going to start to see like like lines because the, the pendulum is going to swing really quickly. So you're going to go from a situation where there's, you know, eight stops and only one Porsche Taycan Turbo S that we did to where you're going to be having fisticuffs over who gets to charge what and when, right? I, I can already imagine like these situations where let's say you've got uh, a plug-in hybrid, right? And you've got a plug-in hybrid driver and you've got an electric car driver and the plug-in hybrid driver gets there first and he's like, hey, I want to charge up my plug-in hybrid. And the electric, electric car driver is like, dude, you can drive that thing on gasoline. I need to plug in because I can't, I don't have a gasoline backup engine, right? Whereas like in the i3, you do, let's say it's a range extender. I don't, I need to charge. And the guy in the hybrid or range extender is like, screw you, I was here first. Next thing you know, you know, you've got fisticuffs. The people will be fighting over yeah. these things. The I think you're so wrong. I think the pendulum is going to swing so incredibly slowly. I think it's going to have time to adapt and people to figure out. I mean, we've been saying, oh, electric cars are coming. We're still at, what, 2 3% adoption here in the States? And it's not exactly like this year it was we were hoping for maybe 10 over 2% let, let, last year. Let, let me elaborate, okay? Okay. I, I've got more points here. 
you know, we go to uh, Denver International Airport a lot, right? Right. How many charging stations are at Denver? This is level one. How many does the how many does the airport have? Like twelve of them. Yeah, and how many of them work at any given time? Yeah, there's like, like probably six of them. Yeah. This 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 is. It's this, a, but Denver's they have such a bad. Tens of thousands of parking spots, and they have twelve charging stations. It's not going to take a lot to overwhelm it. That's point number one. Point number two, people think that you know the way that uh, electric charging companies like Electrify America or some of the other ones make money is by charging a surplus, right? So let's say you're doing gasoline, right? When you buy a gallon of gas, you're paying not only for the gas, but you're also paying a tax on top of that, depending where in California sure. you're yep. paying a load. Sorry, yep. guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you're also paying the profit that the gas station is making, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, most of the profits at a gas station for the gas station aren't necessarily from the gas, but they're from the concessions, right, that they're selling. Okay. All right? Gas, uh, electricity doesn't work that way, right? Commercial electric gas, commercial electric um, power is based on what's called surge pricing, right? Right. Right, and so it's not it's not just how much electricity you're using, but what potential that electricity electricity has to has to surge, and based on that potential, that's how you're paying for the electricity. Whether you use it or not is almost irrelevant. And so there are now stations across America that have been built out but have not been turned on because it's too expensive to actually turn them on. And the only reason that Electrify America, there's right now no business case for actually having an electrification station, right? It'll lose money. The only reason that Electrify America is building out these electric charging stations is because they were forced to with the Dieselgate settlement. Yeah, and so, so but, the business model isn't there right now. But imagine this. But I'm, there is a business model for electric cars. There's a lot of government push for electric cars. So electric cars are being, you know, discounted, whether it's by, you know, incentives from the government or whether it's by, you know, dealers. And so people are buying them and you're going to see that pendulum come swinging the other way and there's not going to be enough charging stations. First of all, I still think the pendulum is going to swing so incredibly slowly because the there's been these huge incentives for quite some time. And granted, there haven't been that many cars available, but it still is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the market relative to gasoline I mean, we've vehicles. only had basically and, Tesla and the California well, compliance Well, keep in mind, cars. too, that currently the gas incentives are, or the electric incentives are shrinking. Like statewide, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes. It's sunsetting. True, it's true that, but Biden has come in and he's trying to extend those. We the have. current administration wants to not only extend them, but they want to actually increase them. I, I really, I, I don't think that this is a smart idea. And not to get political here, but I really don't understand you why, if, if, if the vehicle will not succeed in a free market, why are we artificially ramping that's a, up that, its... I agree. That's a whole different... I mean, con- why am whole- I paying... I don't own an electric car. Why am I paying to have your car have an incentive that, on it? That's a whole different conversation, and we should have that at some point. But I don't want to have it today because we're running out of time. But it's a it's a valid point. I completely agree with you. You know, should the government be subsidizing it, or you know, who should be getting? And then you can have a conversation with farming subsidies. I mean, it's just that's the way the world is at this point. But um, you know. Uh, I really think, let me give you an analogy, right? We fly a lot. We fly too much. And let's face it, even though we, you know, I fly so much, I've got a lot of status, it still pretty much sucks. I hate going to the airport. I hate getting on an airplane. I hate going through TSA. I hate the whole, I've got every form of like, you know, get through TSA quick. It still is miserable. I have, you know, the club. That still is no good. Our club, for instance, has like, a, a, I don't know, United Club in Denver, if you've ever been there. I think that at any given time, they can have maybe a couple hundred people in there and they've got like four bathroom stalls. It's, it's just, it's not good. But once upon a time, flying was apparently, this is before my time, very glamorous, right? People would get on an airplane, they would actually get real silverware, real porcelain, you would sit across from each other, or even if you took the Clippers to Hawaii, right? This was a very glamorous, and um, you would look forward to the trip, not just the destination. I think right now we're living through that time with electric cars, where there are incentives for buying the cars, uh, the stations are available. They don't uh, work, though. They just don't work very well. It, like, the difference that is in the 70s, flying was like a glamorous, convenient was, thing to the do. The 70s sucked, too. Okay, it? whatever. The 60s. 50s, right. 50s, 60s, right? But my point is, is that charging an electric car right now is not glamorous or convenient or easy. It's actually very quite difficult relative to a gasoline car. So I think that it, in order for it to be the golden times, it has to be a pretty good experience. And to be honest, it's not really a very good experience if you're using a public look, station. Look, look, dude, we, look, we pull- Honestly, that it couldn't get much worse. Other than lines, If unless there were big lines, we pull- it couldn't get much worse we, we than pull- it is right now. We pulled now. up to the one in, uh, where was that? Like, was that? 
uh, where were we in? Somewhere near Vail, right? Maybe it was Eagle. We pull up to that station Glenwood. at the Target. We, we plug in. No one else is there. No one's waiting. We walk into the Target. We get ourselves a Starbucks. That we, was a good experience. I uh, agree. And every now and then we did have a good experience. We, but we, we went to, we plugged in at the uh, Sam's Club in um, Grand Junction. Yeah, we but, walked across the street to the Red Robin, had a nice lunch, but came that, back, the car was fully we charged. We had to have a nice lunch because the car was charging so slowly. I'm saying it, it, was, it was a nice experience. It, I mean, it was a nice experience because the car was charging so slowly we had to somehow take up our time. You know, if I could just plug it in and be full in three minutes, that would be just, ideal. Just wait till you know you pull into that same charging, and there's you know a ten car lineup, which right. is what's going to happen, and, if, you, and you've got no choice. You can't like you can't like hey, I need electricity, and I got to wait here for the three cars ahead of me. That's what's going to happen. It's going to I agree. There's going to be a lot of fist fights, and people are going to be at charging stations while they're ninety five percent waiting to get to ninety seven percent for the next twenty five minutes. But I think that. The, the rate at which electrics are progressing is so fast that in the next few years, we're going to see charging times go below 15, the, the, 10, the, 5 minutes. Look, look, like storage in computers is like exponentially increasing. Battery life over the last 10 years, I think if you read the studies, has only increased, when I say battery life, I mean battery capacity, right? Has only increased by like 5% over 10 years. It's not increasing all that much. There has been no great breakthrough. I don't no need, solid state batteries, no like. You know. I, here's the deal though I don't need additional capacity. Honestly, I felt that Tycon 200 miles was plenty of range. You can have a small capacity if the thing See, charges really quickly. If you can get that range back into the battery in four minutes, I, you I don't did, need to go 400 we, miles. We had this discussion in the car, and I disagree. I think the longer the range, right now the Lucid Air is going to have apparently the next you know big breakthrough in battery. Batteries and you're going to pay for it, right? But they're talking about 500 miles of range. When, if, and when that thing ever actually gets built, right? They have some studios right now, but they haven't actually manufactured any in their plant in Arizona. But if and when that gets built, you're going to have a range of 500 miles. And if you have a true range of 500 miles to do that trip from uh, LA to Denver, which is exactly a thousand miles. Realistically, you could do it in t in one charge, right? More realistically, you could probably do it in two. So you, you won't have to st stop as much. You won't have to do these little mini charge ups. The longer the battery range, the, the easier that trip becomes. Until at some point, potentially, battery range and battery you know ability to you know retain power gets greater to the point that you can you can go a thousand miles, which I can see happening. But it hasn't been happening quickly, right? No solid state batteries yet. And we're also running into this like rare earth metal issue where China is controlling a lot of the stuff that you need to put into a battery because we weren't forethinking. I don't know, I don't know if we weren't thinking forward enough, but certainly they you know planned for it. And now all of a sudden there's this great demand for all the minerals that go into a battery uh, because there's great demand for batteries. And people are talking about doing silly things like you know mining the oceans, which you know, it seems like a great way to kill a lot of fish, which help feed half the world. So I, I think we're kind of running into some some potentially stormy weather, uh, and that's why I think right now is a golden age of electric cars. Yeah, that's a long-winded explanation. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think electric cars are great. If you have a place to charge them at home, go buy one. Um, go buy a little cheapy one, like a Chevy Spark EV or a Fiat 500. I, I absolutely agree. I, but, I think that we just bought that Spark. I love yeah, these little. Yeah, it's a fantastic little car. Go buy one immediately because 80 miles of range. All you need for all you city. need to dr drive around town. You feel great. Dip your toe into the thing. You'll 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 figure out pretty quickly. EVs do work in the real world, even with 80 miles of range. Go do that. But for road tripping, I don't think we're in the golden age yet. And they're dirt cheap, Tommy. Yeah. They're like six, seven k. Six, seven k, and you can, you, you know, eighty miles is all you need to go to, to work and back, and you know, pick up your laundry and take your kids to the soccer game. Uh, and uh, you know, they're dirt cheap right now. We bought our uh, twenty fourteen Spark, which was like thirty k new for seven and a half thousand. And there's a bunch of those around, right? Yep. And we'll do a whole other show. I don't want to get into right. it at this point. But let us know what you think in the comments below. Uh, Tommy, you're editing the video, right? Right now? Uh, yes. It's going to take me a hot sec though, because it's quite a long video. So be sure to stay tuned for that one. And guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you to our Patreon uh, members who help make this possible. You know, we have put a lot of commercials in these podcasts. We're going to have to start doing it because it does take a lot of time and effort and we need to pay our rent. But I want to thank you guys for supporting us for a year and a half and trying to keep these things commercial free. Uh, I also want to thank Calvin over at Porsche uh, for lending us to Tycon. Uh, you know, it was a great experience. He gave it to us. Um, not only to you know to kind of beta test, but then to have around here. Uh, if you want to see my review of it, see what I think of it. It's over up on TFL Car. Uh, we've got some TikToks of it as well. If you want to check it out, uh, and yeah, um, enjoy uh, the summer, Tommy. We've got a brand new and fun series we're working on. I'm gonna just hint a little bit about it because we did the first episode today. We finished filming it. Yep. What's it called? Um, 
for a few I, bucks less. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know what it's called for sure. And it's I just want to explain it. It's we're driving three cheap cars that we bought for $2,500 across the state on dirt over some iconic mountain passes for a little tiny budget. So it sh should be interesting. Um, lots of oil leaks in the parking lot right now, but <laughs> it's, it'll be a fun series. And, and we just had uh, Nathan's and Andre car get uh, smogged, and they passed. Yes, and mine has a check engine light, so I can't get it passed. <laughs> All right, well, Anyways. look for that coming up on TFL Off-Road soon. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.